Welcome back to another episode of the Tech Sales Insight Podcast. Our guest today is Jazz Sood, VP of Sales, U.S. Commercial at HPE. Randy, tell us a little about Jazz. Uh, Jazz is a fantastic. I first had the pleasure of uh, knowing her when I went to HP, and she was in charge of my finance team, you know, basically pretty much a CFO of a, a pr- pretty large business at the time. was probably $9 billion or so. And then from there, she went on to run the strategy and business operations group. And the thing I'm most proud of her for really is in migrating from those internal finance roles to actually doing some great work as a uh, one of the top sales executives and one of the top sales leaders at uh, HPE. Give us a glimpse into something uh, you know people may not know about her. Hard to tell right away, but once you uh, get to know her, she's uh, I'd say best way to characterize is really a, a silver glove with an iron fist, which is uh, proven to be very successful. And I say that in the uh, kind kindness and uh, nicest uh, ways that I could. And uh, also, as an aside, she is a workout machine. I've uh, made the mistake of trying to keep up with her uh, uh, a couple mornings uh, before we had some meetings. Can't wait to hear some insights from Jazz. Looking forward to it. I'm David Knorr, your co-host of the Tech Sales Insights. As the nature of technology sales continues to evolve, so do the skills and the traits that enable tech sales professionals to thrive. The transformation to a more data-savvy selling supremo is being expedited by the global pandemic and the trends of home working, remote selling, and increased reliance on digital ecosystems. The technology sales professional and their leaders of the future must integrate their digital skills with a relationship-led welcoming personality and a personal brand committed to exceptional experiences. Along with Randy Seidel, the sales community founder, each week we'll interview sales professionals, managers, and leaders on how they're thinking and leading differently in the tech sales evolution. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Noor here. I want to quickly tell you about another sales community event I'm really excited about. I hope you'll mark your calendar and join us this Thursday, December 17th at 3 p.m. Eastern. I'll be presenting your 10x on revenue generation strategy visualization. Here's what I continue to see. Way too many sales organizations. Their story is unnecessarily overcomplicated. It completely misses the needs of the target audience, and we spend way too much time and effort digging ourselves out of a hole that we didn't really need to dig ourselves into. So how about in 2021, we communicate more with less, say it more succinctly, and get that story across visually. That's what I'm going to show you and what great companies are doing proactively this Thursday, December 17th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Join us for your 10X with yours truly, David Knorr. Learn more at salescommunity.com slash events. That's salescommunity.com slash events. Welcome back to another episode of the Tech Sales Insights. Uh, my name is David Knorr. I'm your co-host along with Randy Seidel. And today we're joined by Jazz Sood of HPE. Jazz, welcome. Hey, David. Thanks. Great to be here. Appreciate it. 
Great to have you. For those who may not know as much about you, your background, can you start by giving us a few minutes about where you've been, what you've done? Yeah, sure. So I've been in the IT industry for 25 years. I spent a major part of my career in various finance leadership roles. I then ventured out and did a few roles in business operations, go-to-market, and product management. But for the past five years, I've been in a sales leadership role and have covered multiple market segments such as enterprise, mid-market, SMB, and state and local government. That is fabulous. I got to tell you, I was fascinated by our last conversation. Most CFOs and finance people <laughs> don't, don't end up on the dark side of the force. And, and you've also been in one shape or form in HP for you know most of those 25 years. So talk about that a second. Yeah, I've, I guess, been through all of the HPE acquisitions and divestitures over the years, you know, so technically worked at Agilent, HP Inc., and now HP Enterprise. And I think um, just as my, as you mentioned in my background indicated, I mean, one of the positive things was just the ability to move around different functions. You didn't quite leave the company that was so different, but you were able to experience, you know, different flavors of the business, you know, by the different uh, experiences. What made you want to move from the finance side to biz ops and then to over the sales? Well, interestingly, throughout my finance career, I almost left for the dark side so many times, I think because a lot of the feedback I got from my peers was, you know, you're not a traditional finance person. I think poor finance people get the bad rap for always saying no. <laughs> but, you know, I was always approaching things differently on, you know, really trying to help the team figure out an answer to yes. And so being creative, being willing to talk to customers, just think out of the box. And so that's what kind of got me over the hump to, to trying out something different. So you're definitely not the typical finance. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're right. You do get a lot of uh, bad, right? Not quite as bad as legal or maybe right. HR sometimes, but that's right. Yeah. That's awesome. So uh, tell us a little about your role at HPE now. What do you do? Yeah. So I'm actually moving into a different role. As a lot of people that know HPE, we like to change the organization during our annual fiscal year process. So I'm moving into a role I, that I will be the general manager for our infrastructure and services business. So more kind of product driven um, and services driven team, as well as driving enablement and go to market for all of North America. But in our prior to that, for our current fiscal year, I'm responsible today for our commercial sales segment, including state and local government and inside sales. Can you talk about two, three things that are going particularly well with the team? Yeah, I think from a overall business perspective, the positive thing is that we have a really strong, cohesive strategy. And we've actually had a consistent one over the past two years. And so, you know, I think this helps to drive appropriate focus across the organization as you really try to drive for growth and transformation. How about flip the coin? One or two areas that, you know, challenges that we just got to keep working through? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, on the flip side with any sort of transformation, 
you know, there's a lot of kind of start and stops and really getting the team to think differently and operate in a different mode. So I think that's going to be just kind of the next step in the journey is, you know, as we're trying to really evolve and particularly given the market, the way that it is right now, we're going to have to really think out of the box and how we really cultivate some bold ideas and really have a more focused approach on business management. So in thinking about kind of where you've been and what you've done, you know, Mm -hmm. you've done a lot of different types of jobs, a lot of interesting jobs. You went back to Pepperdine and got an MBA. Are there two or three highlights that really had a profound impact on you? Yeah, I guess one thing that really stuck with me throughout the year or has stuck with me is that nothing is too small or big for you to dig your hands into, you know, no matter what title job level you are, you know, it's really the precedent that you set for your organization on just the importance of leaning in. And so, you know, I guess in short, you could say leading by example. And I'll tell you, uh, David, a very good friend of mine that we have in common actually really portrayed that really well. You must be talking about the one and only Andy Snyder, <laughs> right? Who else? That's right. Who else just rolls up yes. his sleeves and just gets yeah. right in? Right? I have many examples of that. I'm like, why are you worrying about this? Oh, well, just, oh, wor- you know. just remember, this is a family show. So some of those examples you may not want to share, but <laughs> right. he's the epitome of it, isn't he? That's right. I mean, it, it was really, we had played a partnership role and you know, I'll, I'll go look at that. I'm like, really? This is like, you don't need to. No, no, no. You know? And so, but I think, you know, for him, he was trying to set an example that every dollar counts when you're, I mean, you got to treat, treat your, you know, work business, just like you would your personal finances and just everything like that. And it's just, uh, so it just really puts a good example for just the organization on how you should always, you know, give it your all. Talk to us about you and your team and the pandemic? Are you guys benefiting from a tailwind or, or is, it, is it a whole lot of hell headwind? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think just all of the above, right? You know, initially it was a ton of headwinds. And so, you know, the team had to really think about how do you now become an inside seller, right? We couldn't travel anywhere. It was really hard in some cases, to get in touch with customers. So because you're used to talking to them in their office and, okay, they're not there to pick up the phone. Do I have their cell phones? How do I keep that relationship going? You know, but on the flip side, it taught the team to really ensure that they have strong partnerships because they were able to call on those strong partnerships that they did have. The strong channel partnerships throughout this whole time frame has been a huge tailwind and a blessing and, you know, really trying to get the team to think out of the box and forced everyone to have to be creative around that customer reach out, which I think now six months, seven months into it, that will come, you know, to, to help in terms of a tailwind as we look at the business here into our new fiscal year. I heard about that customer reach out days from Dan Bellinger. Mm -hmm. So talk Mm -hmm. a little about what that, what did you guys do and how did that go? Yeah. I mean, seriously, everybody in the organization, we we parsed out all of our customer lists and everyone literally dialed for for hours, right? We took half a day and, you know, we didn't really enable the team on, hey, you know, you need to go out and specifically sell X, right? It was more 
Let's reach out to the customers, let them know that we're here, understand how they're being able to operate in this environment of a pandemic that we're here to help. So it was more less pressure. It was more informational. And out of that, we did end up driving a ton of pipeline. We did end up a lot of positive uh, feedback throughout that. But I think it was more meaningful to customers to know that, you know, we weren't trying to knock on their door and especially that was fresh, right? Fresh in the pandemic, you're trying to sell something to someone. It was more, we were trying to be helpful. And uh, that was a really, really strong message that I think really differentiated us. I mean, I didn't know that any of our competitors did things that way that early. Was HPE a video culture or did you guys have to adapt to what you did and how you did it to to engage people where you may have not had to do it previously? We are definitely not a video culture. (laughs) We typically use Skype and nobody would ever get on video ever, ever, ever. And so now everyone has had to evolve. We, of course, have Zoom and Teams now. And so it's normal now. I think people are a little bit more comfortable too. It's, you're kind of, not everyone's always all dressed up, you know, and your hair and makeup all done. You're just oh, kind of I know. I there. know what you mean. My hair and makeup. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, uh, you're, you're more relaxed about it, as I think our customers are too, because, you know, I've been on a number of customer Zoom meetings and so forth, and everyone's cash. And when I mean, we were having a very in times intense conversation, you know, very focused and geared, but people are, are used to that now, I think. So I got to tell you, I love seeing, I, I, there was one CEO client of mine that I was coaching that uh, Jazz, I got to tell you, the only time I've ever seen this guy button down suit, you know, fly in and, and go meet him at his office on the X floor. And one of our first calls, he was in like t-shirt and shorts. I'm like, it is so good to see you just right. casual and comfortable because it just <laughs> right. doesn't look like you, right? So, well, it's funny. Just this morning, we were on our annual leadership forum that our CEO, Antonio Neri, holds for the top 400 leaders of the company. And he had this, this little questionnaire just during his session that said, how do you like to dress now during <laughs> Zoom meetings, right? And so one option was business casual, like we used to do before pandemic. The second option was dress nice, top up. So i.e. shorts or whatever on the bottom. And then the third option was I'm still in my pajamas because this meeting started at eight o'clock in the morning, my time. And so it was really funny. A lot of people said uh, top up, you know, I'm in my pajama pants on the bottom. (laughs) Business above PJs and slippers below. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Got it, got it, got it. So talk to me about whether it's your own team or jazz, other sales reps in your finance and biz op roles in the past. Are there some attributes you believe really sets top-notch enterprise tech sales apart from their peers? Yeah, I think it's really a lot of soft skills. So I think communication style, being organized, ability to build relationship, listening skills, and really that partnering approach. You almost don't want to appear like you're always trying to close the deal, even though you are. It's more, are you really there for the customer? And you know, are you able to really ensure that, they, that there is that level of trust? I think increasingly, since we can't see people, that trust part is so, you know, so critical. Right. 
and, and they've got a, and everybody has a BS radar, right? If, you, right. if they see you're not being authentic, they're going to see right through it. So yeah. same question. Talk to me about sales managers, sales leaders. So yourself and others you've observed, are there some attributes that really set sales leaders and sales managers apart? Yeah, it's a lot of this, those similar attributes, but you also got to be able to motivate and empower your team and kind of help them to to have a good communication style, how to create that open um, environment with the customer. And I think you have to do that by being engaged, leading by example, and really participating with them to really help drive and foster that kind of relationship. I think, you know, the, one of the positive things is because we're so remote nowadays, I mean, even sales managers can attend business, you know, review meetings with customers, right? So that gives you an opportunity to kind of observe, be there and really help coach the team on how to really kind of drive that relationship forward with the customer. I interviewed another guest who said pre-pandemic, you'd have to get on a plane and fly to four different cities. Now I can have all those four meetings virtually in one day, right? Right, right. I mean, I've been able to, you know, do a ton more with the East Coast because I don't spend a day flying out to New York, although I do miss that. But (laughs) you you just have more flexibility in your day. Absolutely. For for our audience, I was on the road 208 days last year. I think I'll be on the road like 20 days this year. Even even under the global pandemic going on, my wife is like, don't you have to go somewhere? Right. Don't you have to go fly out and get out of the house? Well, now it's about that time where everyone's like, oh my, you've been in the house for seven months. Like, please go. Please leave. Doesn't it feel bizarre to like meet somebody for a cup of coffee? You actually have to get dressed up and get in a car and go. I know. Just I know. Distance, but it's just well, then you're like, hey, is it okay? Do you feel comfortable? Like, you know, <laughs> so. <laughs> so that actually leads to an interesting question. What are some of the things we're doing today, whether in, in terms of the buyers or the sellers that you believe are going to stay with us in the after COVID world? Yeah, I think that working remotely will definitely be more prominent. And hence, when you think about from a salesperson's perspective, just that technology piece at the edge is going to be even more critical. And post-COVID, I think customers are looking for simplicity, flexibility, being able to provide solutions that we sell that are easy to understand, complicated, easy to manage and scale, I think will be key. So scaling technology as a service is going to be critical um, just during this time. You guys launched GreenLake. How's that going? Going great. You know, we've had over 150 new logos um, in this fiscal year and and going strong. The business will scale over 120% in this fiscal year with obviously more growth. And now we have an ARR metric in our financial statement. So We've, um, there's, we've there's the finance person, by the way, there, there's right there, right there. Finance just came through. <laughs> That's right. Well, you gotta know what you're going to get paid on, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's been a huge differentiator for us. So it's definitely a pivot and a strategy of our company. And to my earlier point, nothing that, um, and that we've been consistent with that, right? At least over the last two years. So, you know, I think it's now definitely ingrained across the business, across a number of our solutions and platforms. 
One of the things you and I talked about was, you know, the day you stop, I've always believed the day you stop learning and growing is the day you become complacent, which is then you're no longer valuable to your biggest relationships. Jazz, how are you learning? How are you growing in midst of all this crisis and pandemic and, and now a new impending job? Yeah, I think you have to be open to doing things differently. And, you know, the customer outreach day was an example. I mean, really, we all now became inside sales sellers, right? We're not traveling, trying to call on new customers, trying to, you know, keep our current customers. And so I think you have to always think about, you know, what could I do different? How do I take a different angle? Talk to people, learn from others who are having success and try to get their perspective on on what drove a successful sale or successful relationship or experience. And I think the other thing too, is it's good to learn from areas that you failed. So you just have to really be open to wanting to dissect some of those instances so that you can learn from those and uh, and move forward. Why do you believe that fear of failure holds a lot of people back? I do because I think people feel like you can't fail or that you can't make a mistake. I always try and tell my team, hey, look, you got to make some bold moves. They got to take some chances. And hey, if you fail, like call time out sooner than later. I mean, that's the only thing, right? If it isn't working, then take another pivot. But I I really believe you don't learn unless you make a mistake. That's that's your best example of how you're going to learn how, okay, I don't want to do it that way again, right? And it's just like when you're seeking feedback from you know, a manager or peer or something like that. You want them to give you some honest feedback. I mean, usually you want someone to tell you, hey, you could have done this differently. And a lot of times people don't tell you that, right? They're like, oh, you're great. Or, hey, you know, you're not good at this, but not specific to what I could have done differently. So I think you learn by your mistakes because they're specific in nature. Talking about advice from great managers, can you describe like a favorite past manager and a, and a lasting advice or coaching that kind of guided how you've led others? Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite past managers uh, really just gave me like this big bucket of trust from day one and included me in a lot of key decisions and gave me really a seat at the table and just kind of let me run, right? And empowered me, which actually really allowed me to be more creative and to flourish and gave me a level of confidence, right? And so I've really taken that to heart and tried to emulate that in how I lead and drive my team. I asked uh, one of our previous guests, Paolo Lobel, uh, Dobel, the same question. Obviously, it's a very male-dominated tech you know, industry, mm-hmm. you just brought up, you know, a manager that gave you a big bucket of trust and empowered you. I have a daughter. I think you have a daughter. What do we need to do to create more opportunities for women to get opportunities to lead and really foster their growth through through the tech industry? Yeah, I think we need to give them encouragement and confidence, right? Because a lot of times women feel like, oh, it being in technology, it's very technical or, you know, how am I going to be able to become so technical? It's not always about, you know, how technical you are. And and Paula and I agree on this. It's just that you, and she and I have talked about this in the past a lot, which is, 
you just got to be willing to learn, right? And read, like, and especially in some of these jobs that we have, you just, I mean, the more you're eager to learn, you're just, you're kind of sucking in everyone's feedback and, and so forth. And I think once you feel comfortable to ask questions, put yourself out there, I mean, that's when you really kind of gain that confidence around, you know, hey, this, I, I can put my own spin on it in my own words. Once I understand where the interest lies um, within technology, which, you know, means so many different things. So I think it's all about just making the options available around driving that uh, interest and encouragement. So let's go back. Let's take a trip on you know memory lane. What top three advice would you give Jazz of 20 years ago? I mean, you were a teenager when you started selling, but what top three advice would you give Jazz of 20 years ago? Well, I would tell myself to create a better work-life balance early and set those boundaries because I did not do a good job at that. <laughs> and that's taken me some time to really figure out, which I still don't have figured out. So I still have work to do there. I would also tell myself, and this maybe goes a little bit to your earlier question around encouraging young females is just that, you know, at each job promotion or, or change, don't hesitate to, and even if it's internal, like don't hesitate to discuss proper salary expectations. Lots of times you don't get this because of this, but I think it's 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 definitely okay to ask. And I I've learned that throughout the year throughout the years. I just wish I would have done that sooner. And I think the last thing would be I, I would encourage myself to go continue to try different things. I think a good broad experience is very valuable. Always sage advice. So for our last question, I'm going to give you an option. Either since we have a common friend, Randy Seidel, always yes. a great story about Randy Seidel since he introduced you, That's or right. talk about something you do for fun outside of work. Oh my goodness! Okay, well, I think this will make you laugh. It's about Randy. So my first time when I was meeting Randy, which was in Boston at a meeting and at one of the hotels um, right off the airport. So the first time I met Randy, he asked me, what's the difference between an order and a booking? I mean, like very first question, I thought, for real, are you really asking me? And he was sort of interviewing me at that time because I was going to, you know, later on, I ended up, whatever, becoming his uh, his CFO. So, I mean, it all makes sense once you know him, because if you knew him at that time, like that was a really big deal for him. <laughs> so that was my introduction to to Randy many years oh, ago. That's his BS radar, right? He's trying to figure <laughs> out, like, do you know your yeah, stuff or you exactly. don't? Exactly. It was like, okay, you're in. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, that was the weirdest thing that's ever happened, but okay. <laughs> I think everybody's got one of those Randy Seidel stories, right? Yeah. How, are you legit? Yeah. Or are you, are you just right. full of it, right? Yeah. So yeah. listen, uh, our audience, you've been listening to Jazz Sud, uh, currently VP of US Commercial Sled Sales at HPE, incoming GM of, what did you say? Product and Infrastructure for uh, North yeah. America? And services, yep. Mm-hmm. And services. So thank you for being our guest on the Tech Sales Insights. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. If you've listened to the Tech Sales Insights recently, you've heard that we're adding a ton of content, best practices, and are scheduling regular virtual sessions such as Tuesdays with Tony and your 10x Interactive Online Roundtables I'll lead each month. 
Randy and the sales community team have done a fabulous job attracting over 200 CROs, VPs of sales, and thousands of sales professionals, managers from global tech companies. So we invite you to jump in, ask questions, start conversations, make sure you attend some of these events to elevate your thinking, expand your perspective, and extend your network with other tech sales professionals. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Jazz Sood. What a great lady and what an incredible background from coming from finance into sales and now GM of a business unit. Uh, here are the three nor notes as summary insights you can immediately apply in three minutes or less. Uh, as I said it in our interview, and I did it with Paolo Dobell as well, unfortunately, there's still not enough women leaders uh, groomed uh, to from the entry level all the way to executives in the tech industry. And I think this is, if you're in a position to coach, mentor, really bolster the success of competent, capable, driven women in technology, what an incredible opportunity. What an awesome responsibility to do that. Cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, I love Jazz's comment that everybody is an inside seller now with this global pandemic, and I actually believe beyond it, work from anywhere is going to remain you know, prevalent, and you're going to have to elevate your digital, your video skills, how you show up. Do you have those digital skills to engage and influence people when we can't uh, you know, get in their offices or physically meet with them? So that's a big one to kind of think about and continue investing. Uh, what did she say about, obviously, title of this session? You got to make bold moves, right? You can't be afraid of making mistakes. That fear of failure is going to continue to hold you back. So bold actions, you know, kind of, what did she say? Call time out if it doesn't go your way but and get help. But you can't be afraid of testing new ideas, testing new approaches within legal and ethical bounds, uh, but really make those bold moves. And then big bucket of trust, right? Big bucket of trust is what everybody's going to look for, particularly clients I believe this deeply in 2021, uh, simplicity, flexibility, easy solutions, easy to manage and scale. I don't want to know everything you know. I don't need to know everything you know. How can you succinctly articulate your unique value and give me the information I need to know to make a decision and lead me down the path I'm dying to go, which is to buy from you. But I have to believe you before I can believe in you. And the more credible, the more social proof points, the more uh, easy that is to understand, right, the more likely I am to give you that next yes. And every sale is a series of yeses. So don't forget two quick points. Randy Saddle and I host each week's guest at a Twitter chat. I think this week we're with Jazz uh, this Wednesday, the 16th of December at 1 p.m. Eastern. So search Twitter for the hashtag TechSalesInsights. For the latest updates, and we also turn the show notes from these podcasts into more in-depth articles, so check them out at salescommunity.com.
We're so thankful for our listeners on the Tech Sales Insights and want to keep producing great content you want to hear. So we'd love to hear your feedback in the Sales Community podcast thread or email podcast at salescommunity.com. Also, don't forget to follow the Sales Community on the various social media channels for our latest updates using the hashtag Tech Sales Insights.